Welcome to the X Overland Podcast. At X Overland, we're committed to living a life of adventure and to sharing what we learn in the hopes of inspiring and empowering others to boldly explore the world. Join the conversation as we sit down to share stories of overland travel and vehicle-based adventure with a broad range of compelling guests from around the globe. Welcome back, everybody, to the X Overland Podcast. Excited to be here today. Um, we've got a really fun episode coming up. We have Courtney and Riley Casey of Ambition Strikes on the show today. Welcome, you two. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We have, yeah, we have our co-host, Leah, is on with us today as well. And Leah, you know Courtney and Riley personally, correct? I sure do. I would call them my long-lost best friends. You just look too far away. Well, that's what happens when when your friends just go off the grid, you know, and live somewhere in remote northern Idaho. You know, and they asked my permission when they did that. I just, I don't know. I don't know what they were doing. Where are you up here is the long-term plan. We'll we'll work on that. (laughs) Yeah, I could see that happening. Looks like, and and that's where you guys are right now, correct? Uh, Northern Idaho somewhere or somewhere in Idaho, living off the grid on 20 acres. Yeah, we um, originally are from Central California and through our travels, fell in love with North Idaho. And we've been up here for two over two years now, building off-grid on 20 acres. And are you guys there all winter? Yeah. Yeah, we, I mean, we, since the day we arrived on our property when there was nothing here except us and our truck camper, we've lived here full time. That's so impressive. And now you have, uh, and you guys are obviously successful YouTubers, but for people who don't know, Ambition Strikes. That's your the, the title, your YouTube channel, correct? That is correct. Yeah, we started the channel when we were building our truck camper and it evolved into traveling and then it evolved into building off-grid. And it has since evolved into uh, all sorts of heavy equipment and whatever <laughs> crazy idea we have next. Yeah, that's... Whatever I, I, Ambition Strikes is an yeah. appropriate name. I love that. Yeah, how about that name, Ambition Strikes? What What's the origin story there? Oh gosh. Um, I, we were brainstorming and I think we were knee deep in the truck camper build and we had no idea if it was going to turn out or work. And I think once someone had said, man, that's a really ambitious project you're taking on. And that's, that's kind of where the name came from. We that's really like the word. Very fitting. We like that word ambition. And then we're like, ambition, what ambition does what I can then come up with a, a name for our YouTube channel. I love it yeah. so much. I guess I didn't realize that it was only with the truck build that that name came around. I thought it was something that had been stuck around for a while. Yeah, we never planned to do YouTube full time. Um, we're very thankful for it. It's been an incredible opportunity, but it was totally just this shot in the dark. Let's make some videos and see what happens. And that's how the best channels come around. And here you are. <laughs> yeah, I, I got that vibe like when I was watching your material uh, Leah put me on to you guys and, and it was like, wow, they, they, these, these two are so honest and there's so much authenticity and like, you know, being up there in Northern Idaho with 20 acres and just trying to carve out your place there and make the whole thing work. And that just came across so, was so well, I mean, it was like, wow, this is, this is the real thing. Thanks. I think it's, it is a dream that we legitimately both had for, a, for a long time. And the YouTube channel is sort of what has allowed us to do it because now our full-time job can be creating content about developing our property. And even, you know, building our truck camper, the, when we started the truck camper, it was just going to be a top shell. 
and it got to really evolve and we got to play and design and do some really fun stuff because we had YouTube kind of cheering us on and supporting us at that point. Yeah, it was a definitely a catapult for you guys to get you to where you are today. That's amazing. I think I'm using this word correctly. It'd be like a synergistic relationship you had yeah. with yeah, your absolutely. YouTube fans. And, and I, that's, that, that's so cool. Like it, the way you guys are supporting each other that way. And not only that, it's, it's a network of people that are just so genuine and helpful. Like if, if any subject that we have trouble with, whether it's bulldozer repairs to woodworking, there's somebody in our network of, of YouTube that, that knows about it and can, that'll reach out and help us out with it. Solve the problem. So you just post the, pose the question in your own video. It's like those, people respond to you. It seems like whatever problem we have and whatever thing we need help with, that person has already recognized before we even know that we need help, that we need wow. help and they reach out to us usually. That's amazing. It's We'll get an email that's like, hey, I've got this transmission for that bulldozer and you know, just let me know if you ever need one. And then it's like the next week, it's like, we need that part. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. I just love how like they can just see it happening because they're watching and they're just anticipating things you might need and where you guys might need help and and traveling, you know, once we built the truck camper and we hit the road, the number of followers that we met up with camped in their driveway, I mean, all over the U.S., that was an incredible opportunity for us. It's um, that, you know, that seven degrees of connection they say that you have with anybody in the world. I legitimately feel like we now have like two degrees. <laughs> it's gotten smaller. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, um, yeah. Go for it, Jimmy. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, we mentioned the DIY truck camper several times already. And that is what we really want to dive into today, you two, is um, is that that dream kind of dream camper DIY project that you all built that um, I, I know is super successful on YouTube. Uh, is that where you were going, Leah? Yeah. I was going to say, let's jump into that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that started. We were actually on the Rebel Rally with Leah and um, people have said, you know, what's, what's your next project? What are you guys going to do when you get home? We owned an off-road shop at the time and we said, um, I'm going to build an earth rummer. <laughs> yeah. Everyone wants to build an earth rummer, right? Yeah. You know, when ambition strikes, that's what I want to do too. We're going to build our own version of the earth rummer that it's perfectly tailored for this ski trip that we want to go on. And we had already bought the ski passes. We got one of those packages that has a pass to a whole bunch of ski resorts. We'd already bought the passes. And so it was like, this is October. It was crunch time to get this thing done so we could go on our trip. Uh, back up a second you bought the passes like in october do you uh, october november december like what do you that's like really fast yeah i think we actually bought the passes before we were even on the rally so i think we oh lost in september because there was you know early bird pricing that ends you gotta buy them yeah and yeah it wasn't always that we were going to build an earth roamer it started we bought the passes and riley's like i think we can just put like a topper on the truck like a camper shell and we can just you know, do that and then we started looking at all these ski resorts on the pass and we were like, man, I think I want this to be like a six month trip. And that's when I kind of like put my foot on the brakes and I said, I think we need more than a topper. Like I had gone as far as I already bought the topper off Craigslist that already fitted it on the truck. I was starting to buy materials to build a drawer system and, and had that sort of overland rig in mind. And Courtney was the one that recognized like, if we're actually going to do this, if we're going to go that many months on the road, we might want some more creature comforts so that the trip is the trip that we want to go on. Yeah. You know, I think we wanted to really embrace the trip. It was about camping in the ski resort parking lot. It's about, you know, there's a storm over here. Let's get over there as quick as we can. And so we wanted to really live in this space. 
So I want to back up into this big picture here. The trip was the thing that started first. That was the idea. And and then you and then the building of the vehicle comes next. And this is the conversation of how the evolution of the truck comes around. And then from the first idea, which was just a basic truck camper, to this actual earth roamer, for lack of a better term, because that's basically what it is, just a DIY one. Um, and so I want our listeners to really hone in on this idea of what comes first, the trip or the vehicle and and how those work together hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. And we've done it both ways. We bought the vehicle and then curated the trip and we've curated the trip and then designed the vehicle. And I think that's the latter is what I prefer to do. You know, let's plan the trip and then let's build something that really allows us to make the most out of the trip. Right. And I'm, I'm just like Courtney, I'm like, if it's going to be a winter trip, I want to be warm. Yeah, I'm always yeah. cold, dry, comfortable. Yeah, important. Exactly. So we started generating this list of like, okay, if we're going, if we're going skiing, basically full time skiing, right, bouncing from resort to resort. Well, we're going to need a way to dry out our ski gear. We're going to need a place to store our skis. We're going to need a way to heat the camper. We're going to need an electrical system that can support that life. And, and we just started coming up with all of these requirements and sort of shuffling them around until we got sort of in order of the most important and then started designing a, a vehicle around those requirements. Yeah, not only most important, but budget. We had um, we had actually bought the truck used with a Lance truck camper and we sold the truck camper for $19,000 and that was the budget to build a camper. That was it. Uh-huh. That was okay. So and at the end of that. About like, you know, with that budget, what kind of power system can we afford? What are we going to do for heat? You know, the, do we need the Aspar uh, diesel heater or can we use one of the Amazon Chinese diesel heaters? Well, let's try the Chinese one because they're really inexpensive and turns out they also work. Yeah, a lot of give and take, I think, when designing. Yeah, and that, I know, it's it's like I, I'm with Leah um, and exploring the, like your headspace and kind of the, your, the, your thought process around this DIY camper and how how much attention you gave to the experience before you built what you wanted to fit that experience. And, you know, at, at Exerberland, we talk a lot about the difference between say, just surviving on the trail or when you're out camping and thriving in that environment where you can stay out longer, enjoy yourself more. Everyone's more comfortable. They're healthy. Right. And, and that's what I hear you two saying, like you thought of the experience you want to have, with this, the, the icon ski pass, isn't that what that is, right? Yeah. You can hit up a lot of different resorts, but then you're like, we don't want to just be getting by out there, sleeping in the back of the pickup. Like, could we be truly comfortable out there? Yeah, I think we're also leaving out the biggest des- design criteria, which was that we wanted to bring our dogs with us and we have two big dogs. And so a significant portion of the camper design was around fitting them in d- into that trip. I hear you because those dogs are snuggly. They want to be in your space. <laughs> no. it's, a space. it's a small space. Exactly. That's that's a big deal. That's yeah. a big deal. Uh, I think before also we go into more about the design and the build out process of the of the truck. Um, I think I feel like people would appreciate knowing like your background and how you had the skills to even make this happen. Um, do you want to talk about that for a minute? Sure. I don't have to go too far into the weeds in it, but I think for most people, this build is going to be like, it's incredible, but most of us aren't going to have these skills that you had in your pocket already. Yeah, it's kind of, it's an interesting um, combination of the skills we have, but then also we built it in a driveway. So it's kind of. Why don't don't you start with what your background is? Um, Well, Riley and I met in college. I was animal science. 
and I'm a manufacturing engineer. And um, neither of us had any sort of like automotive experience, really. We like both like to tinker, but then in college, we joined the off-road club, which is where we met. And that's also, I think, where we really found our passion for taking things apart and then building them. You know, it's I remember having this this awakening moment one time where I realized like these other guys in the off-road club that I was hanging out with, they were not afraid of anything. They would, they would tear their entire truck apart. They would weld stuff on it. They would build these crazy rock crawler contraptions. And it opened up this idea that you don't have to buy stuff. You can make stuff and do it on your vehicle. Granted, these were off-road only type vehicles built on a college budget. Maybe not the best thing to drive on the street. But I I think from the off-road club, I learned like, we would build something and then we'd go out and we would kind of intentionally break it to see how strong it was. And then we'd go rebuild it stronger. And I think that's where I learned kind of that, that passion for that, because that was terrifying to me at first. It, it took this fear away of like a failure of making a mistake. It's like, it's okay just to try it and see what happens and make it better next time. And so then after college, we both realized we didn't want to work for someone. We wanted to be self-employed we wanted to work together and we started an off-road shop building rock crawlers and jeeps and anything off-road it really we would take any job that walked through the door for you <laughs> bolt-on lift kits on vans and in, and then that kind of evolved um and we've had many businesses since which we don't need to dive into all of those but always making things and flipping things and using our hands and buying and selling and we got to a point where it was during covid and um we had been flipping houses and we'd been doing more like job shop manufacturing and that all came to a halt and we said, hey, maybe this would be a good time to take a little time off work and go travel and spend time together. We just got married. And we had always we'd always talked about going on a big trip, but we had never talked specifically about what the trip would be. And so I think the idea for the trip really came around the time of year. It was late summer and we're going, well, if we're going to leave on a trip, what is that trip going to be like? Because it's going to be winter. Let's go ski. And so we had white we built up quite a tool arsenal from all those businesses we had. So we have a four by eight CNC plasma table, um, welders. But at that point we had, um, given up our shop and we were just working out of a two car garage. So it was like stuffed as full as it possibly could be. Um, and we actually Airbnb out that house on weekends. So we could only work in the garage during the week. And then we would go live like in the Walmart parking lot in a truck camper and have people staying in our house on weekends. Um, so it's like every every Friday around noon, we were doing this scramble of trying to think about everything that we're going to be doing over the weekend to keep working on this truck. What do we need? Like collecting all the tools and the materials and the electronics and all the different stuff, packing it into totes and throwing it in the truck so that we could go somewhere else and work on it in a parking lot somewhere. And as far as um, we did CAD design the camper before we started the build, and that's kind of where your engineering background came in. And that was really helpful in kind of thinking bigger picture on the design. Yeah. I think, you know, something that, that resonates to me in, in all of this is that without Courtney, I think I would still be in the design stage. Like I would still be iteratively trying to make this thing perfect in the computer, in my own head. And Courtney, one day she looks at me as I'm sitting there on the computer clicking away and she goes, well, why don't you just go get started? Because <laughs> we're not ready yet. She's like, well, what's step one? I said, take the bed off. The, you know, take the bed off the truck. She says, okay, then go take the bed off the truck. I think it helped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a, you know, you got it. You got to start somewhere at some I, point, right? You got to take the hardest, first step. Absolute hardest part of a project like that is getting started. Yeah. And that's something, that's something that Courtney's really good at and really helpful with is 
pushing us to just do it. We needed that push. I think at that point it was end of October, maybe early November, and we had these ski passes in our hand. And it's like we got we got to build something so we can actually launch. He sees that it's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that totally makes sense. I think that Rochelle Croft, uh, one of her favorite expressions is hashtag start somewhere. And we, you know, we, and we teach that and try to encourage that, uh, in the overlanding space and vehicle-based adventure, you know, people are looking at say like the massive international trip and they're just like, well, how can I, I how can I get there? And it's like, you don't have to be there. You just need to start somewhere, go camp, pitch the tent in your backyard, make a start. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think like, uh, that's a really useful kind of motto to have for DIY projects too. Um, you know, you're talking to someone here on the other side of the mic who it has been deathly afraid, say, of modifying or changing or cutting or drilling on that stock vehicle or camper or what have you. And and I realized how confining that is. Like that's like, it's like being locked in a box. And what you said about joining that off-road club really resonated with me. Like all of a sudden you're out there with guys and things are breaking and you're repairing them and you're rebuilding. And it's like the liberation of that is just awesome. And, um, but I think there is this anxiety of, oh man, I'm going to make a mistake on this OEM vehicle, right? Or on the camper I just bought, but you got to start somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, we've had a lot of failures. It's not, it doesn't always work. Our ideas don't always work. And so I think learning from them, but not letting them hinder the next dream is really important. And I think that when Courtney says we've had a lot of failures, it's like even a failure is an opportunity to learn. Like if you don't, if you're not failing, you're not growing. Mm-hmm. So a failure is not necessarily a, a, a bad thing. No. So and then in the moment it feels bad, but yeah, bigger picture. I think it, a lot of good. You know what too, I'm thinking back to earlier in the conversation and just this, this overarching theme in this episode about how you all, um, at least through a lot of your experiences recently, you've, you've put the dream, the experience in front of the build and then made the build fit the dream. And like, I think that would help me with starting somewhere and like doing my first DIY. If I'm like, if I don't do this to my camper, I'm not going to be able to use it in the way I want to use it. I have to like, I have to get through that wall so I can do the thing I'm trying to do with it. Yeah. I think it's hard. I think like you'll walk around Overland Expo and you see all these perfectly curated campers and you go, mine needs to be all of these. Well, well, no, take pieces from all of those and make something that fits you. And I think that that can make it a lot less overwhelming because you're not building it for someone else. You're building it for yourself. And it's also important to remember that that vehicle you see at Overland Expo, it's likely that the builder of that vehicle has done that a dozen or more times already and has that experience and has iterated that process they started somewhere and their right. art was not perfect. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say what, so, so you pick up the icon pass, you're ready to build your truck and Courtney says, you need to go outside to go take the, the bed off. Let's get going. Tell us more about the design and the, and so your, your list of things that you had to have, didn't have, didn't want to have. Um, yeah. How does, think- how does that design process go from here? Our immediate thoughts were, okay, we're building an earth roamer, so we need to build it just like an earth roamer. Well, they were fiberglass at the time. We don't know anything about fiberglass. We've never worked with it. And so we started getting hung up and, well, hold on, do we need to learn how to do fiberglass first? And then I think you were like, well, what if we worked with a medium we're more comfortable with, aluminum? Yeah. 
I had called, I, I had a, a friend from school who was, who did yacht building and I called him and started talking to him about fiberglass and he started firing off all these terms I'd never heard before. And it became really intimidating. I'm like, how, how am I going to pull this off? It was you that said, well, how can we do it? Yeah. Like, well, we have a garage full of metalworking tools. So why don't we use them? And fiberglass, we'd love to learn, but maybe not with a whole truck camper. And so that was, oh, let's work with something we're more comfortable with so that we're pushing the boundaries in one way, but not like learning something completely new at the same time. Right. Yep. Staying, we're, we're both uncomfortable and comfortable simultaneously. Doing something uncomfortable because it's new, but we're comfortable because we already know the skills, which I think, I think, Jimmy, that goes back to something that you were saying earlier about overlanding and just pitching a tent in your backyard, right? If the idea of going on an overland trip to, to a foreign country is intimidating because you've never been overlanding or to a foreign country, you're never going to get there. But if you're already comfortable with overlanding and how to pitch the tent and how to cook the food and how all the gear works, well, then the only thing you're you're working against is how do I get to a foreign country? Right. 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 It's like, it's like a scaffolding process. And, and I hear like a, a kind of healthy, realistic balance between like the skill sets you have versus like getting out of your comfort zone. And, and when something is, is too much to take on, maybe even, maybe not forever, but at least within the time frame that you've set for yourself and evaluating that in, in your DIY project to know you can make your goal. Uh, and I agree with you. I, I think it's a lot the same with overlanding Riley and just any kind of adventure travel. It's, you kind of have to know where your current limits are and, and what you're trying to push to and find a, a realistic balance between the two, maybe. And so- we were comfortable with aluminum in like a build a bumper kind of way. That's really where it ended. Okay. So this was still pushing. Like after this. <laughs> yeah. I see exactly what you're saying. We yeah. owned a TIG welder, but I, to be honest, I think the most I'd ever TIG welded on aluminum was like a bracket onto a radiator one time, like very limited TIG welding experience. Mm -hmm. And that's the process we needed to do to build this entire camper. So there, there still was a pretty steep learning curve. To, to that part of the process. You were comfortable with drawing in a computer and we had the plasma table, which allowed us to cut all of the pieces ourselves because this was during COVID, everything was shut down. It was um, it was difficult to outsource stuff at the time. It was, I mean, just getting materials was difficult. It was like things from Amazon were taking two weeks. And so it was all a lot of dealing with like, what material can we get today in town and finish this part of the project today? Because I mean, we can't, we can't wait. Do doors at all. We really had to look at the timeline and that helped make some of the decisions for us, really. Even like, the, like for example, the windows were backordered, I think six weeks. And so we just had like taped out where the windows would be so that we could keep working on the interior of the build and know there's going to be a window here someday. Right. 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 Yeah. I think our first big win was when we got the shell complete. So it was an aluminum exoskeleton shell with our own composite panels that we glued and riveted in. We didn't even know if that was going to work. Yeah. And so that, do you remember taking that first drive? Like we had vacation renters in the house and my, my dad's a woodworker. I grew up woodworking with him. And so we thought, let's load all of the stuff up into the shell that we just finished today. And let's go drive two hours to my parents' house and use my wife's wood shop to, to keep making progress on the interior this weekend while there's renters in the house and. I was so scared that it might just fall apart on the, yeah. Can you I, imagine merging um, on the freeway for the first time to take a two hour drive in this shell? Uh, 
<laughs> no, I'm biting my nails. Like, oh. I'm listening to zero problems. But I mean, every day you own that thing, we'd look for cracks. I mean, we didn't know, right? We yeah. thought we had built something strong, but two years theoretically, later, but, not yeah. a single issue on the entire build as far as like structure went, and and yeah. we were a lot more comfortable with it at that point. But no, it sounds like you guys just really found that healthy balance between like the skill sets you knew you had that you were confident in and pushing those skill sets outside of the normal comfort zone to, to learn to do more with them. And like Riley was saying, instead of like, I'm going to learn all about fiberglass now and start at, you know, zero, like we have these skills, we have materials. It's going to be outside of our comfort zone some, but that's the cool thing too. We're going to be growing and learning and pushing ourselves a little bit. So, um, yeah, that just that just strikes me as the right balance for a DIY like you guys are doing. There is a little bit of a cha- a lot of a challenge, but not too much so to where you're like unsafe. Yeah, or I think like if I think if we'd gone the fiberglass route, we wouldn't the project would have ended up halted while we learned that new skill. Where this allowed us to evolve while we were still completing the camera. Well, something I want to come back around to um, that we've talked about before, just getting to know each other and some of our pre-conversations before the podcast episode. Um, I've always been more of like, it's it's about, say, going out for the weekend or getting the experience and just let me go buy something that's turnkey so I can save my time and go camp, right? Or go fish or whatever it is I'm trying to do with my rig um, and take my kid because I'm a busy dad and there's all kinds of stuff going on. But Riley was like, you you know, if you ever thought about the experience of the build and, you know, being the thing that you're teaching and sharing with your kid and you guys go on that journey together and how that can be in its own way equally satisfying, if not more so, than just getting out there that weekend and and doing the thing, right? And doing the activity. And that really like shifted my headspace, Riley, like because it's like what you just, you guys are both describing. It's so cool that the process of this and everything you learn and achieve. Yeah. I've, I mean, for, for me anyways, and I, I think I speak for Courtney as well, the, the guild is maybe even more of the experience than the actual trip or, or whatever the end project is, right? Like even here on our property, the, the build is the, the fun part. I think mm-hmm. building our property up here has, has solidified that with me of like, I fall, I catch myself falling into, we got to hurry up and get it done so we can enjoy living here. But it's like, well, no, we can enjoy living here all the way through to the end. It's all, it's all just part of the process and the experience and, and being in the moment. And so like, like you're saying that you want to hurry up and buy something so that you can take your, your kid out and go camping. Well, at the same time, you can also work on the build with your kid over the weekends. And then your kid might even enjoy the camping trip even more because they have the satisfaction of having built it um or just tweaking it modifying it or you know making it a little more special for your trip i don't think you have to always build something from scratch to get that moment yeah i mean even if it's just the like like i'm looking for we have a according to have a newborn baby he's oh well no she's not behind us right he's over there right now he's being so good (laughs) that that time you guys have dialed and uh when i think about like going on a camping trip with him it's not just about camping. It's also about packing the camping gear and talking about what the different tools are for and why we're bringing them with us. And it's, it's a whole process all the way beginning to end, even unpacking at the end and cleaning up and washing the rig or whatever. It's an opportunity all along there to share experience. Yeah. And to teach so many lessons when I think of parenting, 
Um, you know, there's just so much teaching going on there and sharing with your kid. Um, and they're going to grow and learn. And it's, it's a larger, broader picture than, than just going camping, say for the weekend, or, you know, we're just going to buy this thing so we can go do it, uh, which is fine. Like I get how busy people get. I really do. But it's more of a cultural shift. I feel like you guys are talking about, it's like that the experience of, of getting there is, is a huge part of the fun and the journey and what it's all about. I, I think it certainly makes the journey more enjoyable. Yeah. So, so Leah, let's go back then. Cause Leah, here's how we work you two. Like I have these, I get into these grandiose big picture places, right. With philosophy and culture. And then Leah's like, now let's get back to the build. So after you took off the bed, get outside, take the bed off the track. Let's go. Okay. And you have the exoskeleton, you drive two hours. It doesn't fall off the truck. Right. Just I I do want to add something about that. Like, yeah, I want to hear. Okay. We talk about what our backgrounds are, and I've got a background in engineering, and you know, okay, that makes me uniquely qualified to do this or something. But, but then I think that because Courtney doesn't necessarily have that background, she's not in, as intimidated by big. She has a lot. Courtney has a lot more confidence in me than I have in myself in some in some ways, and she'll be the one that encourages us to just do something, to just right. get started, to just try it. It's okay if it's not perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when it comes to problem solving, we think very differently. Um, I think we use different parts of our brain, really. And so you're going to come into the problem solving with a very engineering kind of technical background. And I'm more kind of the creative, well, is there a workaround to that? Maybe we can't do it that way. What other way could we do it? I'll determine that it is impossible. We cannot do it. <laughs> According to the flips, I'd be like, well, of course. No, no. <laughs> We're going to figure this out. <laughs> And so we got the shell done, and I think that was a very monumental moment, but it was also a very kind of intimidating moment because we'd been so focused on finish the shell that we still had to make the camper livable. Right. Yeah, we hadn't even, we finished the exterior shell before we'd even defined our interior layout because there became this point half, basically, and say, we're just going to work on the first half, which is the exterior shell. Because if we try to think about this entire project all the way through, it's it's too much. Yeah, we've never done it before, so we don't know step Z. We know step A, B, and C at this point. Right. Well, that was Christmas. That was December. Um, it was Christmas. We were at your parents' house, and we were putting the windows in. Wow, we hadn't even built out the interior at Christmas. That's right. So we're putting the windows in, and we're starting to work on the interior, and we still had a bunch of wiring and all the electronics that came into the power system and like all of this stuff still ahead of us. But again, we just broke that all into little pieces. The, the whole power system was its own its own individual project. The interior was its own project. Even like the shower was its own project. <laughs> and we just, we just plug away at them one at a time until all of a sudden we... I, I feel like I remember this day of walking into the side door of the camper and looking around and being like, we could probably go on a trip in this thing. <laughs> it's done enough. That, it's not done, but it's done enough. Yeah, I think the process um, of the inside was a good combination of things we were comfortable doing and things we had no idea how to do. So like the cabinetry, we'd just done a, a flip house where we had refaced all the cabinets. We'd never done that before, but that, that during that house project, we got more comfortable with that and we were able to take that and apply it to building the cabinetry in the camper. Um, your dad was, you know, we really leaned into people for help on things we didn't know how to do either or YouTube. I mean, you can watch videos and learn 
almost anything. And at that point, there weren't as many um, kind of camper builds on YouTube as there are now, I would say. But there were quite a few that we could watch and kind of get some inspiration from. That was really helpful. And just knowing our time and our budget. Um, luckily, that was a really that year winter started really late everywhere. But that was the reason we went on the first trip. It wasn't done. But Mammoth got a huge storm. And we were like, well, we have to go. We're going to the time to start. And I actually think that that was one of the best things we could do was take it out, not finish. Yeah. Because it gave us this opportunity to evaluate what we had done and what we still had left to do and sort of shift around some priorities and make some design changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we planned, it was a short trip. We did two nights out in it. Um, you know, we had a working heater. I don't think we had a water system yet. So we were just, we just had some like shelves and yeah. Yeah, and that just makes so much sense, doesn't it, Leah? Like to to go test it, like where they're at, and and to the argument that you can't see it all the way through necessarily, or it may even be a mistake to try to, because you know, you, until you're out there living that dream too of skiing and skiing, you know, making that your kind of on the go cabin for all these ski resorts, until you get a taste of that, you probably can't really know what is going to be next or what you'd like to have. Yeah, and quite frankly, we were very burnt out on the build by that point. Um, and that trip was an incredible reset for us to kind of come back and, and follow it through. Yeah, I bet a catalyst to make you see like the things that you need, the things that are not necessary, or that, like, oh, this would make it way more comfortable if we had this next time. Absolutely. And those two things that would make it way more comfortable were a ski locker, because I said, oh, no, it's fine. We're just going to put our skis in these like sort of duffel bags. Well, then our skis were on the bed. Our skis were on the dinette. Our skis were in the bathroom. Our skis were on the floor. Our skis were out. They were just never. All over. Okay. We need a place to put the skis where they can just live and be in their own out of the way spot. Yes. In that locker is heated. It's heated, right? The ski locker. There are, there are uh, boot warmers in the, in the locker. And so they can. Boxing. Yeah. So dr- boot dryers, boot warmers. The, the original plan was to make the locker heated and then we never actually finished that <laughs> we, well, we didn't need it right so we we went out and used it and we realized oh, this is sufficient feature so we just crossed it off the list never mind yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Really ski gear all in one place easy to get to you don't have to go in the camper that was that was huge and then the other thing we found out we really needed was a closet kind of that back wall i really wanted the closet from the beginning because the earth rowers have the closet and it's so cool and then we were like well that's going to be a lot of weight a lot of costs and a lot of work to do. And so we went on that first trip and same thing. We didn't have anywhere to put all our stuff. It was just everywhere else. Camper. With two of us, we're six foot two. We got two dogs, a small camper. And that's, we were like, okay, we need to come home and we need to build proper storage for all of our stuff. To limit us. So actually, I guess there are three things. Oh. <laughs> Third one was that our dogs needed their own space. Um, during that first trip, the dogs lived on the on the floor and under the dinette, and two big dogs in that small space didn't work. So what we ended up doing was taking the entire back seat out of the truck and custom building the dogs their own platform bed back there. We have a small pass through between the truck camper and the truck, so the dogs can just jump back and forth, and we could lock them in the truck out of the way. We could also lock them in the camper uh, with the heater running while we were skiing, and they would stay warm and comfortable. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing here is a lot of things needed a home. Yep. Like you needed a, pl- a a specific place to put your specific things, which I'm having a little bit of an aha moment because like I'm, I'm we're gearing up to leave um, on a trip and it's going to be like theoretically my first overlanding trip, if you will, with just myself and the kids. 
and I like I don't know like where like where do we put our jackets like I like I don't have a closet I don't have a system for that and I can I I know right now it is going to be on the floor on the bench on the counter everything's going to be kind of everywhere and it's going to work fine for this trip but hopefully when we come home I can have like the same um thought that you guys have had of okay next time I need to I need to find a solution to this where can I keep these things that is not going to be in the way I think that I think that's absolutely right something that we've struggled with in the past before this was when you don't have a home for all your stuff you end up spending a lot more time taking everything out cleaning the whole rig and then trying to put everything back in but everything's stacked and then the next time you need to get to something you pull everything out again and having a specific home for everything on a long-term trip makes it a lot more enjoyable you get to spend more time doing the fun things less time doing the not fun things like planning the camp yeah yeah setting up your camp yeah it's just already set up and in order for everything to have a home you also have to analyze exactly what you're bringing right and that kind of goes back to this this conversation of what comes first the trip or the vehicle build itself and in your guys' situation like the trip came first so you knew what gear you were bringing um and, and i think that works for a lot of other people too if they are um into bicycling road cycling whatever it may be and they have to have a place for that gear you know what are we bringing yeah if it's just, just a hammock then that's different <laughs> yeah it's such a different model of of thought than trying to build the vehicle first and even you know i think of a lot of people almost think it's kind of an issue people looking at other rigs say you know on social or wherever who don't have a lot of experience in doing this and they just see that and think i need to build that and i need to buy those things to build that but they really haven't thought like what they're going to do with it yet um and so it's kind of putting the cart before the horse in a way i think you know thinking about what you want to go do and then that will even affect what kind of gear and kit you put into your vehicle rather yeah. than just buying all the things that you see on Instagram, say. A perfect example for us is we go to Overland Expo and we see these huge cooking setups, these giant pull-out kitchens. We don't like cooking really when we're camping and overlanding. We like doing experiences and we want to come back and make a simple dinner and then go to bed and get up early and do and go mountain biking, you know? And so that was like, we don't need a huge kitchen. So our biggest staple in our kitchen was an instant pot because we love doing one pot meals where you just throw it in. So like our kitchen was curated to what we wanted to do, which was different, I think, than a lot of overland setups that you see. Definitely. Which meant that we brought a lot less kitchen gear, right? We had an instant pot. It has a pot inside of it. So we don't need a second separate pot. So we had the instant pot. We had a pan, a spatula, a couple knives. I'm really, really minimalistic because... It is so easy to bring way too much stuff. But then if you looked at our mountain bike, we built a whole bike cabinet on the outside of the camper that was actually the negative space of where the kitchen was. So we took away a bunch of cooking space and we put it into mountain bike storage, which for us was, I mean, we brought so much bike gear because that was our priority. That is genius. That is genius. Yeah. It's genius. And to me, it's just so healthy, Leah, too. Like, like I would say, like, in our culture, there there could be this kind of issue where we're always being advertised to and we build our lives around someone else's notion of what they want to sell us rather than getting to know ourselves from inside first, really figuring out what we value and what we like, and then 
getting our things accordingly to serve those interests, right? Rather than all this kind of external desire, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I almost would have been embarrassed to admit that we don't like cooking when we're overlanding. And then it's like, well, no, just embrace it. That's not our priorities when we're out there. We want to be doing other things. And then for other people, they love cooking. And I love traveling with those people. Yeah, there we go. Totally. <laughs> I, I love that, Courtney, because, yeah, I, that's exactly what I'm getting at. It's like, you know, absolutely nothing wrong with cooking and being a gourmand and wanting that to be part of your overlanding experience. Maybe someday you guys may end up enjoying that part of it. it might be something you want to focus on for a while. There's really no judgment here, right? It's like it's what you're into. And so if you really love to cook, you might put extra thought, effort and investment into your galley. If you're like, you know, we want to keep our food minimal and it's fuel for us to do the things we love to do, like ski and ride bikes. So we're going to take our galley space and we're going to make that mountain bike storage area. We're going to have ones. I, I, to me, that's just knowing yourself and your interests and then designing your overlanding outfit accordingly. Definitely. You know, I'll, I'll trade, um, I'll go wrench on your car any day if you're willing to, to make me a meal in exchange. Really, it's the dish cleanup. I just, that's the part I really don't want to do. <laughs> Oh, man, do I ever know what you're talking about there? And you guys are making a great argument to have a, like a team of people, like two or three different outfits, and someone is the chef and someone else is the mechanic, and your rigs are kind of set up like accordingly. That. I like that. We have just a whole uh, lineup of cars behind me. Well, that's the cook back there. <laughs> There's the mechanic. He's behind us. <laughs> have your little try. X overland style of travel, right? You kind of really embrace is. everyone's specialties and you work together to curate this awesome trip, but you don't all have to be good at everything. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think another another thing I just kind of thought about about how we build and how we plan is this ski trip, we knew that we were never going to be very far from pavement really or far from town, right? We're going town to town and going skiing. And so when I started analyzing how we're packing and what we're bringing and I looked at how many tools I had set aside to bring in the rig way too many tools so I started thinking okay I gotta get all of my tools into one tool bag because if we have a problem that needs to be solved with more tools than what's in this bag realistically we're not very far from a town and we're probably going to go there and get help right so I don't I don't need to have all this stuff with me you know it's like I think that's something important to think about because the more gear you bring, the, the heavier your rig is, the more complicated stuff is. And so really parsing down what you're bringing into a small mm -hmm. amount that is well designed for the trip you're going on. If we were going out into the middle of nowhere, I would want a lot more spare parts and a lot more tools. And I think that's a good topic of weight because I think weight is one of the most heavily contested aspects of building your own camper. And it was the thing that was on the top of our mind with every single design decision we made. How can we do this and make it lighter? Or how can we do this and bring one less thing with us? All right. You'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with Leah there. Let's hear exactly <laughs> what that looks like. Weight is one of the most important considerations when, when talking about vehicle travel. You know, our vehicles are only designed to carry so much weight. The more weight we put on them, the worse they're going to perform, the worse the fuel economy is going to be. They're going to be less safe. And potentially also not legal to travel in, you know, if they're they're overloaded. It's it's shockingly easy to overload a vehicle. Um, we had a, a our truck camper is based on a Ram one ton truck, which has a gross vehicle weight rating of I think it's eleven thousand seven hundred pounds. Um, once we took the bed off the truck, we went and got it weighted. It was right around seven thousands so that left us with what four thousand seven hundred pounds we could add to it. 
which just immediately sounded like more than we would ever need, right? That's so much weight. It's almost 5,000 pounds. Right, right. You think, oh, that's ton and we're going to have extra. It goes fast, son. Oh, man, it goes fast. By the time we yeah. built the rig, loaded it up, we're in it. The dogs are in it. We're full of fuel, full of water, full of groceries, full of bikes and skis and all our stuff. We were at the limit. We were, I think, mm-hmm. 20 pounds of being overloaded. Yeah. Um, and that was with every single this design decision along the way being thinking about how we make this lighter or how can we leave that thing at home? Do we even need this? Mm-hmm. I mean, I felt like you nailed it. I mean, we went all the way through the rig again and did a whole other round. And I think we dropped another 200 pounds after that of just stuff we decided we didn't need. Yeah. And that was, you know, full-time living. So it was packed differently than if we were just going on weekend trips. Right. What is shocking to me is how heavy clothes are. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got a couple big duffel bags that are absolutely stuffed with clothes, and it is a couple hundred pounds. One of us brought a lot of clothes on the trip. You don't know what kind of those that would have been. <laughs> it was. <laughs> oh, wow. And when you have less stuff, it's easier to find the things you're looking for. It, you know, everything becomes a lot easier when you have less stuff. But in winter travel is hard, and it's heavier in winter travel. Yeah, 100%. Mm. So does that mean? Does that answer the weight the weight question? I think that is spot on. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, I'm just thinking how th- this is one of our our key build principles when we talk like build theory for overland vehicles is to help people understand how important weight is, just like you're saying. And, we're, and this is why in the overlanding world, you know, somewhat recently there has been more of a movement toward full size platforms yep. be, be, because they're built like a true one ton platform is built to handle that weight stock. You don't have to do a bunch of things to it. You're not overloading it immediately. And like you said, it's just so when you actually do the math and you're paying attention, it's shocking how quickly you can run out of payload on a stock vehicle. So, And I think something else to think about too is the heavier it is, the heavier it needs to be because then you start adding things like aftermarket sway bars that are heavier or overload springs or you know uh, heavier tires that are meant to handle that load. All of that stuff. It, the heavier it, the heavier it is, the heavier it becomes. Right. Yeah. And and what what I hear you two saying is you had to make choices ultimately about what to bring and what not to bring. And I'm wondering what that decision making process looked like in terms of, you know, when do you have to calculate the risk, say, of not having something and just be okay with that? Like you know, Riley saying, "Well, I knew we were never going to be that remote, so I reduced my tools." Um, is that something you had to do for a lot of things? Like just like, well, here are the boundaries and we're just going to have to live with it if we don't have the thing? Yeah, I think some of the big picture stuffs are even just like water capacity. I think yeah. our immediate thought is, I'm going to put the biggest freshwater tank I can put on this thing. Right. Well, okay, that's a lot of weight. How far are we actually going to be from water fill locations? How many days do we actually need to go between filling? Okay, that's the size that we should size our freshwater tank. That that kind of and so for us, we kind of, we realized like, well, our refrigerator holds about four days of food. So we already need to go to the grocery store after four days. So we can get water after four days. We can get fuel after, you know, we're going to gas stations anyways. Like we just sort of yeah. realized that things like water size really should be planned more around 
how far you're going between available water. Yeah. Not just as much as you can. You look at these other giant truck campers um, at Overland Expo that are designed to go two and three weeks between towns. And so that design is going to be very different than our design, which was, you know, at least once a week, we're going to be going into town. Because again, we're going on a ski trip where we're going to be driving through towns very frequently. Yeah. 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 And that goes back around to like the whole original idea of building your, your vehicle, your outfit, your camper to suit the experience you're having while you're having it rather than, you know, building it and then trying to force the square peg into a round hole for all these different experiences. And I just see so much more like potential for creativity and in dreaming of experiences and doing things the way you guys do it that way. Um, that, you know, you have a dream, you realize that, you build the vehicle, you know, to realize that, and you have that experience. And then you might be like, okay, you know, let's sell this to somebody else who might want to follow in our footsteps and, and have a similar dream and reinvest in what's next. And you know, and that is exactly what we did. At this point now, we've actually sold that truck camper to another uh super nice couple who were getting a, a puppies. So they wanted a truck meant to handle a dog and they wanted to go on a mountain bike and ski trip. So and they probably, they are doing their version. They were of stoked to have that. And we ended up living in the camper way longer than we thought. Yeah. So uh, after our trip, we, after our trip ended because we bought property here in North Idaho. We never went home. So. <laughs> and, um, and then all of a sudden this, perfect vehicle that we had created for this trip wasn't any longer the perfect vehicle. We were trying to make it work to live out of full-time stationary on this property and still a great vehicle, but it, that's not what it was built for. We got small. We weren't traveling anymore, for sure. All of a sudden, our, our backyard, or what, what do they say about your backyard being out of your door or something like that? Anyways. Yeah, and so we ended up living in it for a year and a half. Um, but towards the tail end of that, it was really more of just a, a stationary home on our property up here than it was for travel. And that's when we made the decision, we need to let this project go so that we can start dreaming up the next one. And we actually don't know what that, and well, I mean, we're still working on our property here and we will be for a long time. And so I guess this is our next thing. Oh, but we're already dreaming about the next camper. There, there will definitely be another Overland camper in our future. And we don't know what the trip with that will look like, but it's probably going to include, it's definitely going to include our son, Oliver. <laughs> And our old truck did the baby get to come? Our old truck wasn't never meant to have kids in it, right? It didn't have a place for a kid. It wasn't the right vehicle. It was a two person truck. Yeah. Two person dogs. Yeah. That's a big difference. And traveling with children is makes like the more comforts you can bring the let me just tell you. It just makes things so much. Mostly now that you uh because we don't know what well, I mean neither do I. Because it's it's constantly evolving. Well, and I think that's that, that even goes into this. Every trip and every build and every stage of life has a different need for a different truck. And so um, it's just being able to um, think about that and, and part ways with the current truck vehicle that you have so that you can get the next one, um, enjoying the journey of the build or the or the research or the just the thought process of like, okay, my kids are getting bigger. What do I need for that next trip or you know hey we weren't into mountain biking last summer but this summer we are and um those are just constant things and and so the the conversation of like well what does my perfect truck look like maybe there's no such thing now you know there no, this really isn't there is no such thing as um truck. yeah but um i was i was going to ask the question of did you stay under that nineteen thousand dollar budget after you sold the land 
was it a Lance camper that was on the truck originally? Um, um, we did, and then we we made more modifications down the road, and we added solar panels, and, and you know, uh, mm-hmm. budget grew a little bit as you, our channel grew, and but right. the original build, yes, we did, yes, we did, yeah. I think um, I like the mindset of b- budget in general, and if you think about okay, well, it, I have this budget in mind, and I'm going to tie it up into this project, and um, it's even like buying a house, like your money is just moving from project to project, and and I think. At least I struggle personally with the idea of, well, I put all this money into this project and now I have to keep it for forever. I don't, I don't want to let it go. Um, it's at some point, it's just dollar bills stacked up in your driveway, and if it's not serving you, then it's time to let it go and and move on to the next thing. And um, I think you guys have done a really fantastic job of doing that. Um, and I'm excited for whatever comes next, even if it is just this house. I mean, would not just this house, but the house that you're building right now is the project. And that is part of the life that you're building. Yeah. I think everything's a project that we do. The scale, some are much smaller than others. Um, but enjoying that journey, you know, not just the finished product, I think is really important for us. And you talk about money being tied up into something and that it's just dollar bills. You know, it's uh, someone at some point that I came across said, well, money is just a tool to get you, you where you want to be, right? Like the money doesn't bring you joy. What you, you use the money, you leverage the money to get to the next thing, whether that's an experience or an item or whatever it is. And so the same thing with the vehicle, if you can, you have money tied up into it, but if you, if it's not serving you, if you can release that money, that tool to then let you get to the next thing that you want to do with it, why not, why not do that? Why, why have it sitting there? It totally. You know, and I'm having a little bit of an aha moment because I feel like you could, you could take that theory and, and really boil it down to just your vehicle. Let's say hypothetically, you know that your trip is not going to be out in the backwoods rock crawling really rough roads do you really need to carry the high lift jack like your money like or that particular tool i don't know whatever it may be like a a refrigerator might be a great example here do you really need if you're if you're only going to be confined to four day trips because that's what your work schedule allows like let's look at where your dollar bills are sitting within your vehicle does that does your pile of money need to be in the refrigerator or could it be more sufficient in an ice chest a good ice chest or whatever it may be. And then you have extra for something else like, yeah. Um, or more space or more weight to add. Exactly. Everything yeah. that allows you to enjoy that trip more. Right. Exactly. Or, in, or whatever it is that experience more. Exactly. Yeah. Lots of thinking points there. So yeah. many. That's what we're, we're all here for, right? We're here to enjoy an experience because that's the only thing that we take with us. Yeah. Yeah. Is the yeah. truth. Man, I, I I think you two model it so well. And since we've all started working together to produce this podcast, like I know I've had numerous aha moments and like have shifted how I think about a lot of things in terms of focusing more on experience than the thing. And just that freedom of being willing to let go of something and even in a way your identity around that thing in order to be able to change and go do the next thing. Uh, my kid just turned 18, graduated from high school. So we are in the process of big changes around here. And so this uh, this episode really speaks to me of having to be willing to let things change, let the paradigm shift and and seek out the new experience and embrace it rather than clinging to the old. So mm-hmm. thank you guys for sharing your insight with the world and with the two of us. It's very appreciated. Well, thank you for having us. You know, I don't, I don't think we have everything figured out even remotely, but <laughs> someone that I know likes to say, embrace the pandemonium, meaning just 
that's the fun stuff. Well, speaking of that too, like we'd love to have you guys back on for another episode in the future. Uh, I would love to learn for one of what it was like, like everything you talked about in the way of envisioning and building your camper and then living in and experiencing it. I, I just kept thinking how applicable that is to building a home and figuring out a life in a house to where it really optimizes how you're trying to live. So I could see like an episode, Leah, where they're on talking about going from an overlanding kind of full-time vehicle lifestyle and what they learn from that, that they are now putting into their off-the-grid living. Because I see a lot of overlanders doing that nowadays too. It seems seems to be a, a like a cool trend of people just wanting to take what they know and build it into an off-the-grid experience. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to people looking at their priorities and how they want to live and, and living intentionally, and maybe they don't need that conventional home to for that. And I think a lot of a lot of similar design decisions that went into our truck have gone into how we live here based on based on not just how we want to live, but also physically where we are in the world, you know, in North Idaho where weather conditions are are harsh. And it, it's been a very similar iterative design process. We could talk about that. So that on yeah, well, that's gonna be the next episode. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so where can everybody find you? Let's just make sure they know. Oh yeah. Well, you can find us on YouTube at uh, Ambition Strikes. <laughs> And you can also find us on Instagram at Ambition Strikes. Fantastic. Well, thank you all both for being on the podcast. Leah, thanks for bringing these amazing, talented people Absolutely. to our podcast. And um, we will see you for the next episode sometime in the future. Folks, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. And for all things X Overland podcast, if you'd like to see the videoed version of these, if you'd like to check out other X Overland content, go to xoverland.com. Check out the X Overland network. We've got tons of material for you there. Uh, thanks for all your support, and we'll talk to you next time. Ciao. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. That really helps. The video version of this episode and of all episodes of the X Overland podcast are exclusively available at the X Overland Network. Head to xoverland.com to subscribe to the network and for access to all of X-Overland's premium content. We appreciate your support, and until next time, stay adventurous.